Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. In the age of ancients, the world was unformed, shrouded by fog. A lot like Seattle, am I right? All right. The land of gray crags. This is serious business right trees. now, Jake. And everlasting dragon. Oh yeah, real serious dragon business. Serious ass fucking ancient dragons. Sun. <laughs> but then uh, there was fire. Yep, that's what caused the and whole fire. Came disparity. That's what caused the whole fucking bugaboo. Now wait, if they had dr- dragons breathe fire, that's like inherent to dragonness. Not in this stupid, filthy world. There's like one of the first things that happens in the game is that there's a dragon on a bridge and he breathes fire at you. How is there? How were the dragons surprised by fire? Have you ever uh, read a manga called Berserk, Jake? Yeah, there was some some sweet fucking. There you go. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Um, welcome everybody. It's our episode on Dark Souls. Uh, I can't hardly contain myself. They've had to strap me down in in the chair. I'm strapped down by leather belts. I was so excited, so animated to start this show. And who the fuck is this talking to you right now? I'll tell you who it is. It's your wonderful, willingly, happily here wizard, Jake Young. I actually am very excited to talk about this. Why why would you don't throw me don't throw me down as if I was some corpse that had a key in it that locked got me out of an undead asylum <laughs> like you're some kind of elite knight named what's his name Oscar? Uh Edward uh, oh, fuck. Now I'm immediately, everyone, great. Thanks, Jake. Ask me more questions like that so the Facebook can rip my fucking d- dick off my I'm balls. I'm just sitting here covered in filth in my pyromancy robes, <laughs> and you're just tossing corpses at me like I'm unwilling, and I'm ready to go down this path. I'm your soul spear-wielding wi- <laughs> wizard mage build Holden McNeely. I fooled you before by saying Jake Young. Jake? And I'm your fat-rolling, heavily-armored <laughs> warrior Jake. Havel monster Jake. Un- <laughs> Unbelievable! I'm wearing rings. I don't even know what they do. Wielding a dragon's tooth like (laughs) Havel himself. Havel the Rock. Oh, my God. This episode is... I feel the pressure, all right, from the fans, from the community. Everyone knows that I am beloved to the Dark Souls franchise, that uh, it has its fucking firm claw grasp on me. It actually 
kind of is maybe I'm going to go ahead and maybe say it's kind of the thing that reawakened my like deep passion for video games and therefore is like how I'm actually in this room and streaming on Twitch and doing all the things I'm doing today. So you're feeling a lot of pressure. You feel like if you Ooh. there's a lot on the line that like failure will result in a, in a severe punishment. Uh, you're kind of intimidated by it, I'd say. Yeah, and you know, I'm doing... Get good at podcasting, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? And right now, I uh, I recently had a... Um, I'm doing a Dark Souls run, or, or I'm Sherpa-ing a Dark Souls <laughs> run right now with my buddy Jared uh, for Friend Fridays on my Twitch stream. And even people were like asking me questions about lore and stuff that I felt like embarrassed that I was like, because there's so much going on there. And we'll get more a little more into that, but I'm just going to go ahead and preface the lore side of things with watch Vati video. We'll talk about that later, though. We'll get into that. Um, let's let's take it all the way back. Let's start. Let's give the people the seeds of knowledge that they come to this podcast for, and for, and first get into the history of a little known company called From Software. Now, yep. I feel like. Every single Japanese <laughs> game dev started out making like really boring computer software or like started out doing something that had nothing to do necessarily with video games. You know what I'm saying? Like, and oh, from like how Square no was part of an electrical yeah. like, <laughs> infrastructure supply company. What was Nintendo was cards, right? Weren't Nintendo they? made playing cards. Yeah. It's like, it's all, I mean, at least that's and, like, like a game, plastic game baseball like. toys. Right. Yeah. And, and, and this, and, and from software is no different. They were founded on November 1st, 1986. They were, uh, developed productivity software at first. That's essentially, they developed like some version of like Microsoft Office office essentially like that's productivity but it software. ran on like some dumb old japanese 8-bit system called like the msp quantum 88 fucko <laughs> yeah exactly. i already used fucko let's call it shit lord <laughs> <laughs> yes the lords of shit uh, uh uh computer system which actually was their inspiration to create this whole no uh uh their first game though they decided to jump into the video game business uh, what i love about from software and the story of like dark souls is I feel like in so many of the other things we cover, it started like, you know, you can find its background in the in the 1940s. You can find its background in the in the 60s or 70s. This we're already up to 1994 with Kingsfield. Their first game was Kingsfield. It was a launch title for PlayStation. It came out 13 days after the PlayStation console went on sale, but not in the United States. It well, was, their justification was that, uh, oh, we're a software company. And we already have a distribution network pipeline for producing compact discs ah. with software in on it. So this will be a no-brainer. We don't even have to, because that's how much the CD and optical media revolutionized the gaming industry by reducing the cost of entry so much. And he didn't have to negotiate with Nintendo and all of its proprietary bullshit. And man, does Kingsfield look rough. <laughs> Woo! And people all the time, is they know I'm, you know, I like to stream. I'm into Dark Souls a lot. And people are like, um, have you ever thought about streaming Kingsfield? And I'm always like, yeah, maybe. And then every time I look up, like, gameplay footage of a Kingsfield game, I'm like, this looks like rough like it well, is a first person I should, I should describe it a little oh yeah. bit better it is a, a 3d first person perspective very you know what it is it's like skyrim without like anything that makes skyrim like 
fun to play. Well, uh, <laughs> there was part of this dungeon crawly 3D genre. There was Ultima Underworld. Uh, we even covered uh, in our Bungie episode uh, Minotaur and the Labyrinths of Creed and Pathways to Darkness. There was something about yes. like. Uh, uh, and like the, I'm not even mentioning these were the games that at least like let you walk in smooth motion. There were a million games where you kind of just like hit west, west, north, north. There's a bibble bobble. Do you yeah. attack the bibble bobble? Yeah, I mean the animations. And by the way, I'm sure this game was fun to play for many, including the creator of Demons and Dark Souls and the whole Lord God of the whole series that we'll get into uh, very soon. But um. Uh, it just doesn't look like it holds up that great. Much like all of the, almost all of the early titles from the PlayStation era, yeah. like like Super Nintendo games, I in general tend to hold up better than you know like that. We're trying shit in 3D now. Early PlayStation in 64 Xbox ter- terrain. I mean, it's just a rough realm because they're really just trying to kind of get a grasp on how three dimensions works in gaming. Well, it was part of the uh, adjustment period of trying to get pen and paper RPGs onto a computer. And, um, and so like wizardry, wizardry is the uh, technically the first one that like made it Japan and influenced dragon quest and Mm -hmm. final fantasy and all that. But like, you know, being able to fully navigate the dungeon and like attack monsters with found loot and like leveling up your character. These are all D and D like, uh, experiences yes. that just it it took basically until like the modern age to like finally nail as a single player PC game. Couple little tidbits that I hope I'm surprising you with, but you may already know this if you're a big uh, Die Hard Souls fan. Um, the Moonlight Sword is actually obtained during the final boss fight. The Moonlight Sword is a popular weapon in all of the Souls series. It's in every iteration of Souls and Bloodborne. Um, also, uh, Seth is the name of a dragon um uh set this like uh, seth or seat seat the scaleless my bad i don't know why i was thinking seth seat the scaleless <laughs> hey what's up guys my name's seth uh <laughs> i love dragons i love giant monsters having normal ass names uh, my bar mitzvah's in a couple of weeks it's me <laughs> seth the dragon <laughs> <laughs> so yeah seat uh who would later appear as seat the scaleless in um, Dark Souls. Either way, um, uh, the Kingsfield uh, games were did okay. You know, they 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 were a full series. There's there's Kingsfield two and three that came out in ninety five and ninety six. Um, oh yeah, just really quick though. Yeah, the animations. Just look up some Kingsfield. Uh, anime, especially that first game, and just the way that everything moves around is so clunky <laughs> and goofy looking. Like, just look up like a room full of skeletons in a Kingsfield game. It is so funny the way that you play. I watched a speed run, by the way, of the first Kingsfield, and I was just like shocked at what I was seeing. Kingsfield 2 and 3 come out in 95 and 96, and those were actually also released in US. Fear not, you can play an English translated Kingsfield, by the way. When they did a re release of the game, a fan actually went in and made an English language patch. So therefore, you can see it did have some pr- uh, a pretty hardcore audience. Kingsfield 4 was actually released for the PlayStation 2 in 01, by the way. Um, so there is that. There were some PSP games. They, they, you know, they were, they were working on some different stuff, um, uh, for the sure. The Adventures of Cookie and Cream on PlayStation 2 is a uh, fun early uh, PlayStation 2 title mm-hmm. where they uh, made use of each character, one on the left, one on the right, was independently controlled by the uh, analog sticks ah. in a way that kind of 
mirrored like uh, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. I was, a little, I was about to say Brothers, Tale of Two Sons. Yeah. Uh, did it make you cry at the end of the game? No, it like was about uh, cartoon rabbits. Okay, so you didn't cry about you know loss and okay, good. No, no, I, my heart went doki doki because it was so kawaii. <laughs> um, also, of course, in From's other big you know kind of claim to fame before the Soul series was Armored Core, the third person um, uh, uh, pilot piloting a mecha uh going on missions type game definitely uh, uh definitely if you're into mechs you know of armored core they were kind of i would be interested to go back and play some armored core games there was Absolutely. some cool storytelling stuff where it was like in kind of like a darker more serious tone than like a gundam mm-hmm. or like kind of a super robot it was yeah it was it was a uh, real robot quote unquote genre. What I really want to do though is I want to go back and play Metal Wolf Chaos. <laughs> the <laughs> Oh god, super the producer user- Meg, <laughs> I beg of you uh if you can google the phrase uh Metal Wolf Chaos suck my missile punch. <laughs> Uh, Metal Wolf Chaos is you are the president of the United States and you have your own mech and you go around just straight murdering <laughs> with it. Uh, yeah, what do we got here? So it I, it didn't technically make its it didn't make its way to America. It was released on the Xbox in Japan, so yes. it was for like sadly it's it forgotten by time. But uh, yeah, you're pre- <laughs> oh my god, please please be go. But it was entirely Metal dubbed Wolf. in English. Planning on wiping out New York this time? You enemy of the people. <laughs> I, Richard Hawk, won't <laughs> let you get away with it. It's called Better Wolf Cast. His name's Richard Hawk. Richard Hawk. Richard Hawk is the vice president. Oh, he's the vice president. Justice without <laughs> fail. <laughs> wait for it, wait for it. Yeah! Suck on my missile punch! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so good. That's great. It's so good. Damn, I want to play that game. So anyways, uh, uh, yeah, that's Metal Wolf Chaos. We should probably do an episode of Metal Wolf Chaos. (laughs) We'll get back to you on that. There were 15 different Armored Core games. Obviously, this was a lucrative title for them. Um, There were also some other games where they were going back to the action role-playing game genre that they would later get so famous for, like uh, a game called Eternal Ring for the PlayStation 2. Again, it was a launch title. Um, It was a lot of about like ring making and ring creation and rings are such a huge foundation in the soul series there's a game called Evergrace, a third person uh perspective action rpg um with the 2000 release on another the PlayStation one with two painful english dubs yeah like if you think of like playstation 2 era terrible rpg dubs Evergrace is like mwah so this is the thing, though, I, I and we can kind of get into this a little bit, too. Um, you, you, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it once we get into the work on Dark Souls, but special Japanese translation translated games were like it was notably hilariously bad. And people always make jokes now. There's a lot of memes on the Internet. You know, your base are belong to us and all that bullshit, you know, but they were known during that time to just be so terrible always. And Dark Souls was actually one of the first games where because the director sat down with English translators and meticulously worked through the script and allowed the voice actors and the translators to give their opinion and 
and and shape the lines of dialogue to make them more authentic and make them more um, feel more uh, realistic in English. Um, it really went a long way, and that's just a one tiny little symptom of what makes Dark Souls so great. So um, uh, uh, next comes, of course, the game we're going to be spending a lot more time with. Um, I mean, you can't talk about Dark Souls without talking about Demon Souls. So, so after you know they're working on these armored cord games and all this kind of stuff and they decide for their next game they were dabbling with possibly making it a return to the kingsfield series but then instead they decided to make a spiritual successor so they're sort of like looking into doing that but this game is just sort of like not really it's just petering out they're struggling a lot the producer Takeshi Kaji is having troubles and in steps a man named Hidetaka Miyazaki um so let's get into this man's life this is he is the lord god that I mentioned earlier of the soul series Hidetaka Miyazaki is the man who made it all possible if you're a fan of Dark Souls you have him to thank if you hate Dark Souls you have him to loathe if you love Dark Souls too well, you're in your own special yeah, corner. Yeah, then next you're in your own weird <laughs> corner where you're like, ooh, customization. Uh, no, 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 I actually, I actually really enjoyed Dark Souls too. But uh, yeah, that was that was made by a different dev team um, while Miyazaki was working on Bloodborne. Oh, that failure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that may be my favorite game of all time uh, besides Dark Souls. Uh, so anyways, Hidetaka Miyazaki, born in 1974 or 1975. Wherever I looked it up, it said both <laughs> and they don't know which i love that's so soulsy it's a quite you have to look into it to figure out when the man was born he grew up tremendously poor in shizuoka japan that's a uh, pretty close it's like 100 miles from tokyo um uh i love that i love this first phrase it's like very like dramatic like in a eugene o'neill he loved to read but he couldn't afford books he had to go to the library on his hands and knees his parents wouldn't let him stand no but he uh he would go to the library and borrow books and many of those books were above his reading abilities so he actually had to spend a lot of time using his imagination to fill in blanks that he couldn't pick up by reading the things himself and this is attributed greatly to his kind of spark of where he started to become uh, so creative and started to harness his imagination so also well. just harnessing the power of giving you fragments of information yes. and letting the experiencer fill in the blanks to you know because like you'll see like oh there's this character they have some kind of motivation they stand for this but then there's some stuff that it, it doesn't quite yes follow and then you have to like kind of pick it back up and put the pieces together also just like what souls does so well i feel like so many times is you walk into a room you don't you don't know the whole story, but the room is just so detailed and so stands out in these weird ways. Just there's like a weird chair in the corner and there's just these bizarre, there's like burnt books on the wall. And you're just like, there's a lone there is, corpse in the center and he's holding a mysterious item. He it very specifically is holding a very specific item. Right. And, and all of these things make you, the player begin to really start your mind starts dancing and you start wondering what, what's going to come next uh, or, or, or what the story is behind all of this. And maybe you start to create it yourself. I mean, there were moments, oh man, the world that is built in the DLC of Dark Souls 3 is still like freaks me out a little bit. It's like a nightmare dream. It's like, a, I mean, the whole the, game. The last one, the Ash, of the Ashes of Arendiel, or is oh, it Oh, that's the, the one um, when you're in the painting in the snow. 
Oh, okay, never mind. No, no, it's the one that came after Ring that. Ring City? Ring City, Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, just like the way, like those giant mages mm. and that big, empty, like, weird it's not a swamp it's like a it's just this big wide open kind of weird and that that part with the archers with the mage in the back you have to like run past the archers it's so the lighting and everything just makes me feel weird he was um, also a fan of um western uh rpg game books because yes. he was a nerd in the 70s and early 80s so you know computer gaming wasn't that big but stuff like steve jackson's fighting fantasy and mm -hmm. sorcery yeah sorcery exclamation part point what i loved about sorcery was i clicked on sorcery the wiki or whatever and the art might as well have been from a dark souls concept oh the <laughs> art straight up is yeah. it is literally the guardian that you fight in the first in dark souls the first dlc the guardian that you uh right before the ulicile sanctuary in the uh in the manis uh hands of fate dlc right and so because he's this barely english literate japanese kid he doesn't know about like the medieval history of the manticore and like illuminated manuscripts and all the weird religious like uh greek myths that go into it he just saw this cool thing guarding a thing and he had to fill in the gaps um also sorcery involves like a very pointy crown that looks ripped from gwyn Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, so. oh yeah. And yeah, Fighting Fantasy was really into really into the fantasy artwork of Franzetta and European mythology like King Arthur, Beowulf, and the Nibelungen lead. Um <clears throat> he's quoted Wagner. here to say Huh? It's Wagner. He was ah. into Wagner. They're classics, he said. They show the good and evil in the human psyche, and you're made to breathe the unvarnished stench of humanity. They're not trying to put on airs. Fucking love that quote. They're, um, That's a great no. quote, Miyazaki. It's also key that they're single player. You, the yes. you, the person playing Steve Jackson's sorcery, are exploring this place on your own, and so like the characters you're interacting with that have this like depth and kind of unease and ulterior motives, you're experiencing kind of in solitude. Very interesting. Also, he was into manga, uh, Devilman, and Berserk. Uh, when asked, which actually, are now like two of the most popular franchises in anime. Yeah, maybe because Dark Souls kind of opened the door to that mythic, I'm on dark gothic. I'm on volume 16 of Berserk because of Dark Souls. I love it. And um, Devilman Crybaby is like the hot new anime of this season right now. Really? Yeah, yeah. We should watch it. Uh, uh, for sure. I, uh, I, and it's totally influential on Dark Souls. Just a very dark fantasy world with incredibly inventive monster designs, giant swords, <laughs> uh, massive fucking blades. Um, a world where fighting ancient, styles, but... fuck up, ancient evil bastards are like fucking up the world and mortal men are just unable to even remotely fight back. Yeah, everybody's kind of fucked. Mm -hmm. No one is quite likable enough. Everyone's kind of put upon and, you know, uh, uh, struggling. There's an androgynous white-haired man who kind of looks like a girl who's secretly pulling the strings of everything. In an interview asked, uh, uh, in which they asked uh, what uh, Miyazaki has on his bookshelf, he said, first you'd spot the manga shelf with Devilman and Berserk lining the top. The neighboring bookshelf is packed with tabletop role-playing game rulebooks with RuneQuest prominently displayed alongside board game Dragon Pass. A shelf is packed with novels, old classics of fantasy and science fiction, alongside George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire and Fever Dream. 
A small library of game books shares the same shelf. At the top is sorcery and accompanying guides, Titan and Out of the Pit. Finally, you'd find various art and reference books, including work by Umberto Eco and McNeil and Colin Wilson's The Occult. So if you do uh, enjoy Dark Souls and the, the world that is created there, all of those things that I just listed, definitely I would suggest going back and kind of doing some digging and reading some of these things and checking them out because they, they're just so, so obviously what really had influence on Miyazaki's wholly unique and interesting world. And so with all this influence and all this creative energy, Hidetaka Miyazaki, a young man, looks at his life and says, I have no particular wants, desires, or dreams. I guess I'll just get a social, a social sciences degree and end up working for an American corporation. Yep, he was working for the Oracle Corporation after graduating from Keio University. Um, and I have no idea what Oracle does. I, networking something. I dealt with it before at a job that was so boring <laughs> that even just seeing the word made me like, like, ugh! Like, I just, like, threw my head it's, back. And it's just, a name like, that, like, flies by on, like, the NASDAQ index, and I still have no idea what they do. I can't even remember. It was, like, accounting or something. I can't remember how I used it, but I definitely used Oracle before. Um, and and he was doing that and clearly not enjoying it, um, doing account managing uh, at the Oracle Corporation, until one day a friend got him to play a little game. Do you know what game that was? I do, actually. I think this would please a lot of our listeners to hear this, that that game was, Jake? It was Ico. I was going to say Wario Land 4? Oh, no. <laughs> no, yes, it was wow. Ico from the Shadow of the Colossus devs from Team uh, Ico. Is it Ico? I'm a Wario. I'm going to win. Miyazaki just dropping his just Game like, Boy oh in tears. God. Yeah, just cry, just like, just like, there's so many secrets. The so many hidden doors. The garlic gives him extra pushing power. <laughs> oh, my God. I've wasted my life. <laughs> so at age 20, 29, arguably very late to get into the Japanese, Japanese video game. Late. Like, yeah. The fact that you even changed your job is so, like, you might as well have come out to your, like, I'm trying to think of, like, the Western equivalent right. of, like, changing jobs at 29 as a salaryman in Japan. And, like, it has to be just, like, because, like telling your entire family that you're a dragon kid. That is how socially insane it is that he actually went ahead and did this so, after playing a PlayStation 2 game. <laughs> Albeit uh, at least really one that is one. revered and yeah. Yeah, regarded, um, uh, highly regarded. But yes, at age 29, and I, all right, there's multiple lessons we've already had before in this podcast in terms of um, uh, the way people approach things, the way people innovated, the way people got to where they got. And one lesson here, it, right on its head, is it's never too fucking late, all right? It's never too late. So I just think it's amazing that he did this shift in his life. And it was very hard to get a job. Luckily, though, there was one company that would hire him, only one, and that was from Software. And, of course, he was a Kingsfield fan, so that's probably why he sought them out i mean you know? they know it's because they were a really small company like even at the height of their like dark souls run there's still only like 200 guys there making the games maybe m more now that we got to dark souls 3 but uh also an entry level like assistant programmer at a small japanese video game company that is like Rare. a shit job like in terms of pay yeah oh yeah especially because he probably had to live in a crowded ass city uh -huh. like 
from from being like that established at a regular Japanese company as a regular salaryman, uh, I saw a number that was like you know he went from like eighty thousand dollars a year to like forty thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. as you know which is again Japan money is different whatever it's fine uh, but the that is an insane hit. That is yeah. like just a because you really liked the game with the horn boy who holds hands with the girl. <laughs> That's, it's a good game. It's Jake. a really good game, but I'm saying this is like this can't be overestimated. Just how huge of a fucking risk this was within his particular. But check uh, this out, and I'm nowhere near Miyazaki's level. But 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 remember what I said at the beginning of this episode. If it wasn't for Dark, me putting my hands on a controller and trying Dark Souls for the first time years after it had come out, like five years ago, I don't think I'd be doing this right here with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, it actually kind of is it's so circular and fascinating. I mean, you can, you know, I didn't think video games were going to have anything to do with my yeah. career. Like, you know, if you would talk to me a decade ago, I would have been like, no, dude, they're like totally uh, a really fun, albeit a really fun waste of time <laughs> that you cannot, you know, that you'll never actually be able to make any sort of a living off of, you know, playing video games. What the fuck does that even mean? And then I would have been, and then I would have been like, bap, bap, and punch two times in the face. You'd be like, oh, oh bleeding, just <laughs> fucking pop, just blood pop, f- flowing down your face. I just broke a little thing in your note, right? I just blood broke your nose. You're you're just like stop why are you doing this why are you do this i'm like i'm a mean man i'm a bad man and then i would have gone to some sort of anger management therapy classes okay and really like learn how to be a compassionate decent human being video games so his first job at from was as a planner on armored core last raven in 2004 so again we're already pretty close to like modern day at this point he uh after that i guess he did such a good job there he ended up getting to direct armored core 4 and then the sequel armored core 4 answer um and then he joined the team he saw a struggling game in the in the back corners of of the of the from software offices and he realized that this was his big chance to let all those wonderful influences he had back in the day all all the stuff that he loved as a kid really flow out and into a creative project and that was with the title demon souls they had done a, a massive amount of work creating assets Mm. They had like, you know, because they were making like a new King Kingsfield. So they had like knights and swords and armor and like monsters. The monster design in Kingsfield was always good. Uh, if there's one thing that From Software should like get credit for is since the beginning of the PlayStation era, the, half of their job has been making monsters with as like with the polygon counts that they were given. So that's like part of the reason why like stuff in Dark Souls looks as like kind of intense and like amazing as they do because they were always from the beginning from software knew that like given limited resources you have to make things as interesting as possible um but Hmm. so he had a lot of like toys to work with yes so like instead of so you know it's 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 kind of like he had yeah he had a box of toys and instead of being like okay this dragon instead of just being like he likes gold he was betrayed by his brothers (laughs) 
Some say that he was once a man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like I said, I figured if I could find a way to take control of the game, I could turn it into anything I wanted. Best of all, if my ideas failed, no one would care. It was already a failure. And again, we saw this in Resident Evil. We saw this in Mega Man. This is the real lesson. If you're passionate to try to do something new in whatever industry you're in, and you're already working for a company, let's say, try to find something that's a project that is a failure and or that nobody cares about and make it your own and make it amazing because that is a really good way to get to be able to get the resources from one of these big companies while without having to um, deal with the control from one of these big companies right until they give a shit uh, about your about your project you know you're going to be able to just kind of do whatever you want as long as you're willing to put in those extra hours and with demon souls he went out on a limb and he showed his work to the world, and the world said, this is bad. Get fucked, <laughs> the world said. Uh, this is just a headline from uh, Kotaku. Uh, this is crap, said Sony's chief of development <laughs> after first playing Demon Souls. Uh, Demon Souls had one of the most horrific unveilings at the 2008 Tokyo Game Show. Yes, most didn't make it past the character creation screen. Uh, it, and after that, it sold um, around 20,000 copies only. Um, to be fair, if you're playing a game on a crowded convention floor and they give you the character creator and then like the first couple of basically you like spend five minutes fucking around with facial sculpts and then maybe you get to whack a zombie in the face. <laughs> Meanwhile, like it takes, you know, how many how many like minutes before you can finally like take down the asylum demon in Dark Souls? Right. Um, yeah. Uh, how, how many minutes before? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, f- remember, he presents himself to you at first, and you can't you beat gotta him. you got to run. Yeah. You have to just run right past him. I mean, me, it probably takes, like, a couple minutes, but, f- you know, yeah. for, for the— Be, It's for a genre no, that for you would Normie never— Normie Joe, for bad game <laughs> Joe. Hello, it's me, Normie Joe. Sometimes <laughs> it's going like to take you 30 minutes to fucking 14 hours. I'll have a coffee with milk and sugar, please. <laughs> oh, boo Normie on your Joe. shoes. Boo on your shoes. Have you read that new Stephen King novel? Oh. It, is, it is compelling. Um, I enjoy missionary sex with my <laughs> wife of 40 years. Normie Joe over here. I'm uh, 42 years old. <laughs> so um, uh, the, the reason why, especially people were thrown off, there were a lot of new systems in this game. This game really brought some interesting things to the table um, that people didn't quite get right off the bat. One of those things was um, just, okay, first of all, just the basic difficulty of the game, right? The game is hard, okay? It's made to be hard. It's made to test your abilities. Um, what's funny, I love this. Miyazaki and uh, Kaji, the producer, had to hide the difficulty from the higher-ups. Um, Miyazaki said he felt that if we were too forthright about all the death, about this concept with the marketing people, they would have run a mile. Uh, so that's why we had to be a bit sneaky about it. Also, um, so so a couple things. Let's talk about what makes it a little difficult, too. So first of all, in Dark Souls, um, there there's no just immediate experience point leveling up mechanic. The way that you level up is by killing things, and then you get souls from those things as currency, and then you have to... Uh, uh, take those souls back to a hub and level up with them. But if you die, you lose all of your souls and you only get one chance to go back to the place you died to get your souls back. Also, every time you do, um, 
go back to the hub or whatever, everything completely respawns except for the bosses. So you have to always constantly be no, nothing, you know, n- nothing in the main general world generally permadies. There's only a few monsters in the main world that actually permadie. Most everything returns to you. So you're just constantly retreading through this space. Um, also, a big novelty for the Demon Souls game was the online component and the idea of leaving messages for each other and summoning um, uh, uh, out in the world. So you can just walk around and you'll see a, a, pe- a little bright glowy thing on the ground you walk up to it and it'll be a message from someone else um who played the game already that might give you a hint that might be a trick it might tell you to try jumping off the ledge for a secret and then you do that and you die or it could be telling you you know there's a boss coming up soon um there was also um just generally no talking happening in the online component of the game um it's not a chat room yeah he, he it means like he felt texts from the void yes he, he felt there was too much communication in online games which can become a burden for some people uh he not only wanted to make the process quick and easy to use since players cannot pause gameplay but also to prevent the system from becoming a large chat which detracts from the feel of the world which i love and also you just heard me say you cannot pause gameplay yep that's right you can't pause another thing that adds to the difficulty of these games also it's way easier to program that than it is a constantly meticulously modded profanity filter (laughs) exactly so um because also the messages on the ground are written using pre uh selected text uh pieces of text you you have to go through and pick the words from like a little word bank you can't just write whatever you want and again that adds to that not being able to say um fuck your mom in the next cave over or something like that but then also the black phantoms uh in demon souls it was like a little bit more uh blurry whether or not and i Thanks. Please don't yell at me. Uh, I think. Yeah. Can we just every now and again ask the <laughs> listeners, the dark, the, the diehard Souls fans, to please not yell at us? I've, We're trying our hardest. I've played all of these games. The only game I haven't played is Demon Souls, which I actually plan to do a run of on uh, Steam on stream soon. I have a PS3 that a fan sent me so that I could play Demon Souls wow. on stream. I will be doing that soon. But I will say this: I have straight up sat and on a couple of different occasions and watched full playthroughs of. <laughs> demon souls so even that i fucking know <laughs> the game front and back i'm ready to beat that game i'm so excited to beat that i've game. been i've been starting telling people that our podcast is great but if you have to start don't listen to an episode about something you care about <laughs> <laughs> so so um uh, yes, you talked about the Black Phantoms and invading. You can invade other people. Is that where you're getting at? But the, that side then of the it, within the community, people started just helping yes. people because uh, the game was programmed that a, a Black Phantom was automatically considered a uh, friend of the enemy mobs so they wouldn't get hurt. Mm. So people would end up invading other people's games and then just like helping them out. And it kind of, it just adds. And uh, and so the the feeling of intense anxiety when you're getting invaded and you don't know whether this guy's actually there to help or hurt you is intense so all of this was inspired by a personal experience that miyazaki oh, had story. there was a car in front of him one day while he was driving that had stopped on an icy hillside and began to slide downward the car following miyazaki also began to slide with the one behind it helping to push the cars up the hill which then miyazaki and others also successfully did unable to give his appreciation to the drivers before leaving the area 
He wondered whether the last person in line had made it to their destination, thinking that he would probably never meet the people again. Miyazaki called the experience a connection of mutual assistance between transient people. Oddly, he said, that incident will probably linger in my heart for a long time, precisely because it's fleeting. I think it stays with you a lot longer, like the cherry blossoms we Japanese love so much. And now I was going to talk about this too. I, um, when I first played Dark Souls, I played only offline because I was straight up an only offline boy. I was like kind of living in the dark ages when it came to video games when I was like playing Dark Souls where I wasn't quite doing online gaming yet, even though I was playing on like a Xbox 360 and almost everybody else was happily. So you're saying you just didn't shell out for Xbox Live? I didn't shell out for Xbox Live or like enjoy at all online multiplayer component like gaming because i hadn't really tried it like i hadn't in any facet like mm-hmm. for the i was i was solely a story you know adventure t- solo player type person i didn't really like competition um i didn't really like any of that stuff um but uh so initially i experienced in that way i will say this though when i beat dark souls 3 of which i think i played completely online um i um I remember I was like, okay, now what do I do? I still want to play some of this game. And so I went back to every single boss room, especially the bosses that gave me the most trouble, and I put my sign down. You have to put your sign down using a this soapstone. This is all this like ridiculously like ar- archaic-sounding shit. And then just wait for someone to summon you uh, because they can walk over to your sign. They'll see it in their game glowing on the ground in front of the boss door. If they're human, by, by using a humanity, and um, they can summon you into their game you'll appear in their game as a phantom and you'll be able to co-op with them and help them beat the boss in their solo experience (laughs) and doing that was so uh, so rewarding and amazing i mean yeah you earned you earned humanity and yet so fleeting and so beautiful that you were sort of like and i had the same thoughts that he had helping those people up the road thinking like where i wonder where this person is right now and like I, like I'll never hear their voice. I'll never, you know. But I just helped them beat this fucker of a boss that I know they're so ecstatic that you know. Uh, what was your Xbox Live name? Um, Holdenators Ho. No, no, no. Catcher sixty nine forty five was my um, uh, PlayStation wow. Four name. Thanks, yeah. Catcher sixty nine forty nine. You really helped me out in my time of need. And now, now that I've hit the bonfire, I can save my game and go to the clan rally that I'm leading. Oh, jeez, no! That's right. No! It's me, the Confederate gamer. Um, you know what? Maybe, you know what? Maybe I did help an evil man, all right? Oh, bless you. Catch your eyes, 6949. <laughs> you have helped me defeat uh, Smog the Ordstein. I am, yeah. I finally have the time to go to my other clan no! rally. That's right. It's still me, Confederate still Gamer. <laughs> it's still Confederate Gamer. Why? <laughs> Um, so anyways, I, I, I just think it is, it really is such an interesting, unique and odd and wonderful approach to online multiplayer and getting invaded as well. And if you would like, um, a really great story about getting invaded, you can, uh, listen to our interview with Adam Conover. We did on the Patreon bonus content. Uh, he, he tells a fascinating story about the, uh, being invaded by a hacker. Um, and then you can also go and listen to that story be retold on waypoint, but either way, you know, you can. Well, you can listen to it all different types of ways, but we got the story <laughs> first, Waypoint. We got the story first. So Demon Souls sells grr terrible. Terribly. It sells awfully. Nobody gets it. Nobody understands it. That is until 
a little known person. No, there's no person. I don't know. But word of mouth spread. Yeah. People started to enjoy the game. It wasn't in America at all. And uh, uh, it just started to get passed around. People, you know, Miyazaki literally said, I thought at that point, after it only sold around 20,000 copies, that I'd never be able to make an original game ever again. I certainly didn't expect any of this at this moment. It's hard to believe. Word of mouth spreads. It pushes the sales past the 100,000 mark um, just a few months later and ends up becoming this like super fucking popular game the little game that could it it, re- it was just kind of you know a hundred thousand is fine for like a niche japanese only release like that is a respectable like you did you did fine mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh but the fan community would like it's like okay a hundred thousand people bought it but those a hundred thousand people were in it yeah yeah super into it i mean that's the kind of fan swell that this game this series evokes and i think the reason why it does is because of the lessons it te- the the unique design approach the the deep but hidden lore and also and most importantly especially the the thing that really draws people in in the very very beginning is that difficulty um and miyazaki i have a really good quote from miyazaki here he said uh he says he had no intention of being uh, of the game being more difficult than other titles on purpose rather the difficulty was a part of the process that gives players a sense of accomplishment by overcoming tremendous odds while also having a certain level of difficulty incentivizing players to experiment more with character builds and weapon loadouts um the, the i i never thought um I was going to be into a game series like this ever. My whole thing that I liked were just like super heavy story-based games that really kind of handholds you through um, games, maybe like Zelda that involve exploration and puzzle solving and things like that. But also games like, you know, last of us or something like that. That's like, what I just, the juxtaposition is like when you like unlock a new room or something, or you find an item like in Zelda, it's always like doodly doodly dee, or like right. bum 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 bum. But the getting an item sound in Dark Souls is just like boom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or just like walking into a new place yeah. is just. It's just like this gut wrenching, like oh fuck, I think I'm fucked, and You're I'm in the wrong. <laughs> Turn back, <laughs> or or the or the treasure eats you. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, Dark Souls wasn't the first. Uh, t- uh, Mimics are, are mim- yeah, yeah classic D and D villain are super classic, but they were just the first ones to make them look fucking crazy <laughs> and be crazy. Um, so anyways, uh, uh, mimics are, of course, treasure chests that are actually hidden monsters. And just look up an image of a Dark Souls mimic if you've never seen one. It's pretty mind-blowing. So this game ends up being incredibly, incredibly successful. And it, it's, um, it's you know, or, or at least successful enough um, for uh, Sony to recognize it, for, for it to kind of make its way over to Europe and over to well, uh, the U.S. Sony had passed on uh, yes, bringing it did. to America. It was Atlas oh, right. that actually right, 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 right. Uh, brought it to North America. And then I think it made its way to Europe even later than that. Uh, but it's because of how Sony kind of was just did not really you know kind of turned its back i mean i'll I'll, hold on let me just uh again reading shuhei yoshida sony computer entertainment's head of product development uh this is crap yoshida recalled this is an unbelievably bad game (laughs) um so when they came time to follow up demon souls 
Yes. They ended up, uh, because they can't use the name because it was a Sony-owned uh, thing, uh, they ended up naming it Dark Souls and going well, with Bandai Nam- Namco. Bandai Namco Games. Um, and what's hilarious is actually, they originally, it was going to be called Dark Ring. And then um, there were some apparently very awkward conversations with the European side of Bandai Namco. Uh, because Dark Ring, I guess, is a slang in Britain for asshole. Oh. For like a shitty ass. <laughs> so they were like, you should probably not call it Dark Ring. So then they went with um, So Dark they decided Souls. on Ass Souls. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, it was released worldwide at the end of 2011. Um, and uh, it's a masterpiece. All right. I think that's about it, Jake. I think that's pretty much all we have to talk well, about Well, what here. makes it a masterpiece, <laughs> I think, is what we should go into. Because, I mean, hopefully you made it this far. Uh, and, like, but... Let's talk about what makes it really special. All right, fine. The world was once shrouded by gray fog, ruled by dragons, and this time Gwyn happens upon the first flame and finds a lord soul. He and his allies use their power to defeat the dragons, beginning the Age of Fire. Over time, the flames begin to fade with the rise of humans, and Gwyn sacrifices himself and his soul to prolong the Age of Fire. With the flame artificially rekindled, the undead curse begins to plague humanity, causing certain humans to continually resurrect upon death. I think that's about all we have today, Jake. Um... (laughs) One of there's what about that fat guy that looks like an onion? He's funny. Oh, the Onion Knight. Yes, Siegmeyer. Uh, Siegmeyer. Yes. No, okay. I love so, him. So uh, I feel like w- they took what they did with with um, Demon Souls, and they. I think the first big iteration that is uh, stands out so much that really is what makes this game. I think at the end of the day, my pick over even Bloodborne. Let's talk about the map for a second and the map design of Dark Souls. Well, what you have to do is you have to take a Metroidvania-style map. Like, for example, the Symphony of the Night map. Like, imagine this big, horizontal 2D plane. And what Dark Souls did that was so amazing is that they took the piece of paper that the map was drawn on and crumpled it. (laughs) And so it's still connected, but it is so twisted and folded into itself that you can't imagine that this is all still a single... Uh, continuous plane but then the more you play and the more you discover the shortcuts and like the leaps between the folds you just like continually blow your mind and go oh fuck i i'm i'm here it's incredible how cohesive this map is how it just wraps up in on itself like a fucking mc mc escher yeah yeah painting i just always think i'm wrong when i say names i have bad name anxiety so uh, i always think i'm just gonna say the wrong name pablo Uh, picasso (laughs) (laughs) exactly i was like am i just pulling from mcm anyways uh um Miyazaki says here, uh, the map design was really what dictated everything else. Once we determined what needed to happen in each area, we would immediately draw up a rough map. Then once the basic layout of the area was decided, we'd work on the finer details. Through the rough map, I was able to communicate the requirements, structure, and appearance of an area to the artists and have them develop those ideas through collaborating with one another. I'm never satisfied with design. Um set aside with design works that simply follows the design brief. So I often requested that the artists and designers add some of their own ideas. I believe that these ideas can enrich the area, if not the entire game. Although this can lead to more, uh, to more work. Of course, I think that, uh, from this quote, what I'm mainly saying, uh, there's a couple things you can see in this quote and we're going to, he's going to reiterate some of the stuff about how he works with his design team and some other quotes I'm going to pull. But the main thing is it really is clear that everything came from the map itself, from the different, 
different locations that you get and then the way that they connect everything together now demon souls had like a hub that you would go to that you would get that you would uh leave to go to other worlds from dark souls 2 also dark souls 2 also it was a little less like obvious but yes it had really kind of a hub and then the everything kind of branched out and dark souls 3 also pretty linear in a sense you know there was a little bit of winding one could argue the um opening area of bloodborne like the yarnum kind of that that has similar um concepts in terms of the way it kind of wraps around itself and you find yourself back you know finding the shortcut gate back to the beginning lantern and you're like shocked that you've been so far and felt like you went so far away and you all of a sudden find yourself right back at the beginning you know um but but dark souls the first does this to such an amazing, elegant, fascinating degrees that you just can't believe it. You'll be like, you'll feel like you're on the other side of the planet in that game. And all of a sudden you'll open a door and be like, holy fuck, that's Havel. This is the tower. I'm back in the undead burg. Like, how the fuck did that happen? Well, the uh, crumple, I, 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 I'm too proud of this crumpled Metroid map idea, uh, but uh, part of the thing about it being so twisty and sp- and spiraling in on itself is that there's lots of corners to turn. Mm-hmm. And that is intensely part of the Dark Souls experience. Yes. That you're not running and gunning. Every, they're just blind corners everywhere. You Tricks have to, and traps, my you friend. You have to make every step count. You cannot... There's no flow state in this game. No. I, I mean, eventually you get there, but that's after you know hours and hours of trial and error. Basically, every... Do you ever play Punch-Out? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, the way that each Punch-Out guy, you know, uh, guy, you have to learn all their little animation quirks. And then, like, once you know it, you can, like, knock them out in 30 seconds. Every little bad guy has their little animation quirks. I'm so happy you found a way to compare Dark Souls to Punch-Out. It's making me very... Very I mean, there's right there's now. less violent rapists in Dark Souls. <laughs> I think you can find certain ways to... Well, what I love, too, about Dark Souls, though, and what they said earlier about how sometimes things can be very difficult, and that might force you to relook at your weapon loadout or something like that and sort of make different decisions, right? But um, uh, there's also a lot of using the environment, using different approaches like, say, bow and arrow or something like that to actually kind of cheese through the game. There's so much of... Um, which I feel like you get this with like but even when really you're cheesing, awesome it has games. to be deliberate. Exactly. Like, There's and I think no... you get this really awesome games like Breath of the Wild and stuff, mm-hmm. where you go like, I wonder if this would work. I wonder if I could like sneak up on this platform and just like kill them from over here or something like that, and then it'll totally work. And it'll be this new. You'll be like, what? I mean, you can go through that whole game just like ducking around corners and 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 shooting with bow and arrows and, and stuff like that and and you know also you know you'll hear lots of terms when you play the game like aggroing where you which is uh, essentially when you pull when you get, catch an enemy's attention and they run after you or kiting which is where you kind of figure out where an enemy um where their kind of stopping point is and where they'll start to return back to their normal position one thing though that that dark souls has i feel like that a lot of other games don't um, or at least a lot of other games didn't back at that time was that like if you get an enemy's attention they're probably going to relentlessly hunt you down and not kite back very easily you're probably going to get chased down all the way back 
to some earlier part of the the level uh, by that enemy, thus aggroing more and more people, <laughs> uh, enemies on the way, you know. And, so and it just... basically turns into you're one of the Beatles in a hard day's night. <laughs> exactly. But with more skeletons. Oh, there's so much running. And the other thing, too, there was a quote. I don't think I pulled it from, I think, the producer that was talking about how they didn't just make the boss the difficulty of the game, but it was everything leading up to the boss. You know, we say we I use the term boss run a lot when it comes to um, Dark Souls. Um, Let's actually get into the bosses because sure. a lot of people think of these like, you know, the, the story of like, you know, beating this one boss that had been kicking your ass. But the game does so much atmospherically to intimidate uh, yeah. you. Yes, everything, especially in those boss fights, like everything in those boss fights from the look of the boss, from the way they swing their weapon around at you, from from uh, the, the music itself is all there to freak you the, the game, fuck out. Like when you're walking around in like, say, I don't know, uh, the Undead Parish or looking at Wikipedia... <laughs> Anor Londa. Oh, I know Anor Londa. <laughs> Sen's Fortress. It's in dead silence. You just are like waiting to hear footsteps and like the clack of traps. Mm -hmm. When the boss jumps in, things just get insane. <laughs> like out of like emerging from a pit of lava, this giant fucking. And there's demon. so much. And by the way, there's so much silence in this game. That these, when you do fight a boss, there's almost always music, and it, it always stands out. Let's get that um, Ornstein and Smo music too, really quick. Is that it? I've never, I've, I've smooch. Uh, yeah, I always thought it was uh, Ornstein and Smog, but it's uh, apparently Ornstein and Smo. Just this grand, just terrifying nightmare, and they're immediate. And by the way. When you fight, okay, so Ornstein and Smo. Ornstein's the one with the kitty face, and yeah. Smo's the one with the golden boobies. Yeah, it's this big kind of fat monster boss and this kind of sh faster, skinnier sort of uh, monster boss. In one room, it is arguably the hardest boss uh, bosses in uh, Dark Souls. I think they Souls. intended you to, like, it was one of the key parts of the online was that because there's two bosses, it's supposed to be the time where you finally, if you have been avoiding it, call in a friend. Dude, but I will say this right now. I finally broke down when I was playing and was like, you know what? I think I'm going to um, summon somebody in for this fight. And I did, and it made the fight harder <laughs> because you couldn't. I summoned in an NPC. Um, probably if I had summoned in a real player, it would have it would have been different. No, it's, but it, I summoned in an NPC, and, and it made it so much harder to predict where they were going to go next because uh, the focus was being pulled in so many in, in two different ways that it was like actually harder for me to figure it out. So I actually had to be like, you know what? I have to learn this the hard way. And by the way, that okay so if we want to get into like personal well we'll get into personal experience i feel like in a different i will say this about that fight i literally i was smoking at the time i remember lexi was away it was before i quit smoking cigarettes though i remember i fought that boss for three hours first of all I tried to play this game like a couple years before I actually did beat Dark Souls and I had to put it down at Ornstein and Smo because I didn't spec my character right. I found myself in a Norlando completely underleveled, a mage not wanting to be a mage with like terrible stats with the no good with the spells that weren't good because I didn't do the fucking big hat Logan quest line mm. per appropriately. I, I was just in a weird spot. So I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I got I, I figured it out. I, I got this game. Cool. 
this is a lot of fun. I've had some really good triumphs, but I'm, I'm done. And then years later, I decided to pick it up because there was something in me, some fire still kindling, that I had to fucking go yeah. back and actually beat this game. And when I got to the Ornstein and Snow part, I remember it was in an afternoon. I think it was during kind of like a Christmas break time. And I fought him for, I want to say, like, three hours I fought these bosses. Three hours, something like that. At one Of point, just getting smacked down. Oh. You know, you're focusing on one guy, and then they just out of nowhere... Over and over again. You and literally, then you got to run the whole way back. You can't stop moving in that fight. You cannot stop moving. They are relentless. They And from the very beginning, the moment you step through the fog door, fog doors, by the way, are what gate off the bosses. You step They definitely kind of don't hide fog. loading screens. Yeah, not at all. You step through this fog door, and the second you do, Ornstein, the skinny, fast one, just immediately plows right into you. Like, you learn really quick, oh, I need to roll first thing as soon as I step through here, and hope to maybe hit him once. Um, and uh, I remember at one point, I, I went downstairs, and I like had a cigarette, and I was like, for the first time ever, I found myself while playing a video game like pumping myself up like i was in a, like i was playing f- like a fucking you know championship <laughs> football game or something you know what i'm saying like yeah, yeah, yeah. like i was like doing some shit i'd never found myself doing when it came to video games before and, and you know and just talking myself up pumping myself up and i marched back in there and i fucking beat that boss and it was the greatest it was i'm still chasing that fucking Dude, heroin high it was like I the can greatest see the hair on your ever. arm standing on end you oh are, and that's just like you're hyped right now that is one of so many stories you know i remember the first uh the first time i beat the capra demon a, a boss that you fight before that which we are we're actually playing some music i believe from uh from that fight before i i remember the moment that i did beat that boss like like i jumped up out of my seat screaming and i was like i've never done this before playing a video game i've never felt this level of adrenaline playing a fucking video game before and um especially as like a heavy duty like solo player of games you know and uh i think that that is the argument for why people love this these games so much like the heart pounding insanity i'm starting to find it again actually getting really into fighting game like online multiple uh, online fighting games and and i found it a little bit again being like the top five in uh, uh pubg playing a mm-hmm. flying for a chicken dinner i mean i've caught that feeling a little bit again in various places but especially in a solo gaming experience um and at that point just point blank ever i'd never felt that way. a video game had never made me feel that way and that's when you step back and go holy shit now i get it that's why it's so fucking hard it's hard so that you you go through these struggles so that you can enjoy yourself it's the same thing as and, and you know and then that's when you get gooey booey about life right mm. but that is life like the harder your struggle is the greater it feels when you do finally push through and are victorious and you're only going to get that great feeling look if you were um immediately like some high-paid let's say like child actor in hollywood or some shit like that's why they end up so fucked up later on in life if you're just handed everything then you're just going to be this like lethargic bored piece of shit that's uh doesn't actually get to enjoy like any of the kind of spices of life by you know going through struggles but it's the people who had to bust their ass and work their ass off like Miyazaki and and so many other stories that we've told on this podcast for so many different you know people who came out of shit this guy came out of nothing he struggled his ass off and that's why he appreciates the fuck out of where he is right now and he is like a really humble sweet dude apparently he like in interviews to, and stuff. I mean 
he refuses to appear on video mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of stuff. I think he like showed up during a E3 conference to announce Dark Souls Three, but footage, like actual video footage of him, is actually kind of hard. It to It was come hard by. to find a lot of quotes from him, and that's why I was so giddy every time I did find something juicy because you know it, it, when he does speak, it's very eloquent and interesting. I mean, he's the president of From Software, so like within ten years, he showed up as this old like weirdo. And, like, became head honcho, which is incredibly impressive. I think part of it is that he was older and, like, kind of was more driven. And so he had, like, the wisdom to, like, you know, communicate what he wanted done and, like, the humility to not, like, fly off the rails and, like, you know... uh, Kojima is, like, a guy that is, like, kind of a crazy auteur Japanese developer. Mm -hmm. And he'll, like, go into weird tangents and waste a ton of money Whereas uh, Miyazaki is kind of, you know, more even keeled. And I feel like that, you know, the fact that he didn't have early successes is what, like, helps him kind of be this consistent. Um, Mm -hmm. And for all the triumph that the Dark Souls series has, um, there's a melancholy to the universe. Yes. Uh, Even though you have even though you're this slayer of gods, you know, you're it's 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 already a broken world. Like there's. By know, the way, this is you, speaking of music. When the boss uh, during boss fights, this is the final boss fight music. This is what you hear when you go in. And it's absolutely breathtaking and incredibly memorable because it's not <laughs> like you've been getting all all this time. It's this sad you, because what you're doing is you're finding this guy who's been sitting by a bonfire for the past uh, what is it hundreds of years or something. Thousands. He's he's he linked the flame and he's guarding the flame and you're there to finally take him down and either be the next Gwyn Lord of Cinder, the next uh, linker of the flame, or to walk away and let the place be sh- uh, the whole world be shrouded in darkness. Neither neither. Their choice are a happy are a happy one at all, and this you're kind of almost relieving this person of their duty by coming in and 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 murdering them. You and know, even along the way, you come across characters at the shrine that you're like, uh, you're all undead, you're all like kind of doomed from the beginning, and. None of do any of them really have a happy ending? I'm trying to like Solaire. No, no, and in fact, and 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 I, Sigmire, like if you save his life at one point, he's just like, I, I was supposed to have an honorable death. What the fuck did you do to me? <laughs> so, so I do want to say too, um, we we're just not gonna be able to get deep into the lore, and we don't need to because there's already an amazing resource, and that's Vati Vidya. Hey, I, I actually like his uh, brother from Queens, Vinny Video. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, what yeah. does he do? It's like, ah, it's me, Vinny Video. Uh, Crestfallen Warrior, he's like, uh, he's like a real <laughs> downer. He's a piece of shit. I hadn't checked him out. Does he have a, he's got some. Yeah, go to Vinny, go to Vinny Video. What's his, what is, what's his big, uh, what's the most popular one? Uh, it's definitely is uh, the bitch of Izalith, where he's just like, uh, hey, so this spider lady is like on fire or something. And like, she won't even <laughs> show some nip. And it's like, all you want is some nip. So then you go and find a, a chest behind her. And it's like, uh, oh, these are the nipple covers of Isolith. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I bet those were for her. <laughs> um, uh, Vati Vidya, in contrast, <laughs> is very serious with his law videos. Vati Vidya is very Okay, so classical. this is Patches, and he's the king dick of this whole universe. <laughs> Patches is my number one bro. He Spoiler kicks alert. idiots into holes. <laughs> if there's a dumb guy in a hole, he's going to kick you. He's great. 
Um, so, There's so, a ring. It's called like the kicker of idiots. Look, it's, it's, it's if you kill you. patches, you got you get it. We're giving you choices here. You can go with Vinny Vidya or Vati Vidya. <laughs> I would I would choose Vati Vidya if I were you. But yeah, check it out. His series, Prepare to Cry. Was it there is, a strip club in the printed world of Ariana? Right, Vinny this Vidya. video guy says, "Hell's yeah!" Please for the love. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, check check that stuff out if you want very serious kind of well s- succinct and well laid out explanations of all the lore and all of the Dark Souls games. They're fascinating. And, yes, all the stories are tragic. Nothing is good in this world. Have you ever wondered why there ain't no guns in this universe? Follow my <laughs> eight-part video series and we'll get to the bottom of this. Just to prove my point, too, click on that other tab over there uh, for the – this is the sound you hear. This is the Firelink Shrine music, which is literally the most peaceful, happy place in the whole world where you go to where there's no threat and you can just kind of relax and level up sounds happy (laughs) what a happy place it's just the most but this music makes me feel an absolute sense of calm at the same time because i'm like oh i made it back to the firelink shrine i'm safe for a moment i can just like look at you know level up and kindle my bonfire and feed some titanite to a weird lizard man talk to the weird lizard man when he shows up um, Hello, Holden. You are the one we have chosen. Please feed me chunks. <laughs> so don't look at my weird. You're looking at my weird teeth, aren't you? No one ever. Yeah, it is. He literally. I'm by very. The way, I'm very self-conscious about my teeth. He straight looks like Beetlejuice when Beetlejuice uh, <laughs> becomes the snake on the uh, stairway. Uh, he becomes the. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Um, uh, to go back to some of these other things about uh, to talk about some design things uh, a little bit more, there was a few more thoughts I wanted to get out on that um, and wrap things up with uh, community stuff. Um, so, so people always talk about how it's a retro difficulty, and this was always the thought for Miyazaki was trying to harken back to the olden days when games were more difficult, and you know they were made that way back in the day be- to lengthen the playtime of games. By the way, for the most part, a, a spike lot- in difficulty meant more of your mom's quarters, exactly, or uh, you're just going to get more mileage out of this Nintendo game that would take you a half an hour to beat if you were able to, if you like memorized all of it. Kirby's Adventure is fun. I don't care. What you say. <laughs> um. So uh, part of that is, you know, not having a map or a waypoint to guide you around, having an obscure uh, weapon magic leveling system. Um, There is literally no warping. You cannot warp from bonfire to bonfire until halfway through the game. (laughs) Halfway through the game, you get the Lord Vessel. And just that feeling of having to march all the way around. One of the things that's fucking crazy is curse in the Dark Souls games. Oh, if you get Light Town. If you get cursed by um it's actually in the um is it the depths, I think, or it's the uh, the gu- the underground? I, th- uh, I thought Blight Town's where you get where the curse assholes. No, it's the depths, the mollusks in the depths. You also find them in the uh, the giant tree that leads down to Ash Lake, uh, which is a completely hidden area behind two illusory walls. Um, it's this giant tree. This is another good example, like getting cursed by the moss. If you get cursed by the moss, you wake up with half your health gone, mm-hmm. I think, or something like that, a quarter, and half your total HP. Like you can't get it back. Unless you find, get this item that you have to buy from this guy at the top of this church that is nowhere near that area in order to lift that curse. So you literally have to march your whole stupid ass all the way back, all the way up to the top of this church. I've had to do it before and spend like 2,000 souls to buy this like curse lifting item and then pray to God it doesn't happen again when you go back down there to fight those mollusks. That tree, if you find the poor soul that isn't looking at a guide and finds that giant tree 
tree and wander at the at the at the swamp and wanders all the way down to Ash Lake and then uh, before they get the Lord Vessel, which is the warp item that they uh, therefore they have to they've they've realized to go this place is beautiful it's amazing oh fuck. I have to climb all the way back up this giant, horrible tree. And I mean, I can't emphasize how shitty and I literally would contemplate restarting the game if I were a person who'd never played before and had to get all the way back up this tree to get back to where the main game takes place. You like don't want to go to the Ashen Lake unless you can quick warp. You know, in other words, and and they don't tell you any of this shit. You know, you have to learn all of this shit. And part of playing those games, the exciting part of those games was having to look shit up and talk to my friends and like and and communicate and and really and be like, have you heard about this? You can go here. You can do this. This is all which is what you used to do on like the first Legend of Zelda or Castlevania 2. my, you know, like hand drawing fucking. You know, you can get the Hadouken shit. in Mega Man X if you go up this one. Right, way. and 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 that was the thing. Like I remember going to my neighbor's house who was playing Legend of Zelda, and he had hand drawn maps for it, and that's it was fucking amazing. And that's what this game does. It instills that, and that's why they don't just hand you everything because they want you to have to talk to your friends and get excited and communicate. The nothing is more exciting than the first like week that a Dark Souls game comes out because everybody <laughs> is just. I mean, there are there are more exciting things, but the, the, the but. It, in gaming it is one of the most exciting things everybody's just like did you find this you can you know if you go to this wall you can hit it with your sword and it'll disappear and there'll be like this crazy treasure behind it and there's this old lady over here and i don't know what she's talking about but it's something important um so anyways uh uh you know i don't know i i may have to do some kind of bonus wrap around because i know we're kind of um we're go- already going long yeah we're already going kind of long and i definitely have more to talk about with these games um but i'm trying to instill a sense of what makes these games so exciting for its players why it's not and and what i hate is the misconception that it's just fuck you difficulty it is not just fuck you difficulty every little challenge in those I games i mean sense fortress is a little fuck you every oh so good i mean everything <laughs> about the design of that like the story behind the sins fortress like that you discover as you go through through uh and and there was this one i was reading this one passage that the stairs if you notice when you start to go up the stairs if you're looking at them they're all worn down and the reason why they did that was because later boulders are flying down those stairs and they wanted to try to give you a tiny little hint that something's fucked up with these stairs that there's something coming for you there's a reason why these stairs were worn down it's just like design choices like that that were incredible um and a lot of that design came from just the fact that um miyazaki literally started with like three themes right there was the image of gods and knights centered around in orlando lost isolith and the theme of chaos fire and demons and grave lord nito and the image of death and decay um and a lot of what he did was he went to his team. And by the way, there were only six artists on this team. That's insanity. Uh, uh, and he would go to his team and he would just give them what he called image words to use as a starting point. And then they were free to develop these in whatever way they wished. And then he would t- he took the images we liked, adjusted them uh, where necessary, and used them to begin shaping the world. So, so much. So he wouldn't just come up to you and be like, I need a dungeon. It's got to ha- be real fiery. It's got to... Instead, he would be like, I want something that set, like speaks towards like the end of a war of dragons. You know what I'm saying? He would give an abstract, weird kind of descri- description or thought and have the artist come back to him with interpretations of that. And they would work from there. Filling in the gaps based on yes. 
compelling but incomplete information. Yes. That's so, amazing. So, okay, this is episode's running long, but I think we can easily do um, some uh, bonus episode that uh, finishes out a lot of these thoughts. I mean, I have a ton of thoughts on this game. Um, and uh, We'll release yeah. a teaser. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, and, and we will finish uh, or do a little bit more on this. But I think that at least, I hope, encapsulates a lot of what makes these games incredible, how these games started out. And I will say, at the end of Dark Souls' uh, success, they promoted Miyazaki to president of From Software. Um, and that is where he is now. He is definitely a designer-based president, as he kind of refer, or as they kind of refer to him as. What's interesting, too, is he's fascinated by other presidents of gaming companies and he goes to meet with them all around the world and he's even said that he's used many of them as concepts for his boss designs that's weird <laughs> now i gotta figure out who's the keiji inafune know, of dark right? souls 3 <laughs> i know right so anyways um we hope you enjoyed this episode on dark souls um there's more to come uh uh fuck i don't know patreon.com forward slash whizbrood that's a place you can go to listen to an entire bonus show that we release every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you can follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Holden or so. Is that where I can find you and Jared actually playing through Dark Souls? Yeah, every Friday, Friend Friday uh, at 2 p.m. EST. Um, he, You've only missed one, and I archive them to YouTube. He'll be attempting the Gargoyles, uh, actually, this Friday. Actually, as the time of this recording, hopefully he'll be past the Gargoyles. <laughs> hopefully he'll that, be attempting. That's a rough stream. <laughs> yeah, right. Hopefully he'll be attempting the uh, Capra Demon or something like that by that point. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Best Jake Young. And as always, I foof around on dorkly.com. Also, as a footnote, I pulled a lot of my information from different Dark Souls wikis, which are extensive and awesome, as well as um, a book called Prepare to Die, A Dark Souls Companion. Uh, there's some really good interviews with Miyazaki and things like that in there. So if you want to check out more, check that out. All right. Peace. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.